0: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 536. Do a quick intro here so we can get right into this podcast, which was uh, super, super fun. I'd like to thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, our tunes, Mix indie music alongside mainstream music. All right, it's a music streaming service. You're going to discover more indie music uh, as well as hear a cool new music that has your mainstream artists that you want to listen to as well. Um, there's tons of stations for your musical tastes. You're going to get a greater song variety than Pandora, and it's a free sign up. Go to ourtunes.com. That's tunes with a Z. Sign up for promo code Nerdist. You're going to get six months of premium membership. That's unlimited listening hours. You're going to get skips. No audio ads. Uh, and it's free for iOS and Android just to download. And also, if you are a comedian or a musician, sign up today for RTunes. They're going to give you royalties that pay more than any other streaming service. And you're going to get uh, exposure next to mainstream artists. So it's great if you're an artist, it's great if you're a listener, uh, and you just enjoy comedy and music. So go to rtunes.com, use the promo code NERDIST. Um, this is Scott Ian, who is uh, a, a good old friend of mine. I don't mean that he's old, I just mean we're, our friendship is old. I mean, we're older. I mean, we go back a long way. I mean, here's Scott Ian. He's uh, at, by the way, on Twitter, he's not just at Scott Ian. It's Scott underscore Ian. Uh, and uh, he always has great stories and, uh, and I adore him. So here we go. The Nerdist Podcast number 536 with Scott Ian.
1: Now entering nerdist.com.
0: recording. It's FS, guys. Right on. I found something. Someone. Um, e- e- more and more every day. Do I enjoy the subreddit r Media Because last night someone put uh, a thing up that is. It's from 1975, I think. And it's um a it's a handful of actors doing a reenactment of a Fantastic Four comic, and they're showing like it dissolves to all the panels of the comic, and Stan Lee is narr- narrating it, and fucking Bill Murray is playing Johnny Storm. What? Wow! And it's really weird. This really young, this video? young Bill Murray going flame on. <laughs> it's re- yeah, well, it's video in the sense that it's they're dissolving to the comics, okay. um, so you're seeing the comic. And then you're just hearing. It was sort of like. Was it a radio play? It was like a radio play, but but with the visuals of the comic. I don't know where they would have aired it, like on a Saturday morning or something. Yeah,
3: unless it was like a pitch thing.
0: Um, I don't know, but it's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty rad. It's mm-hmm. only like pretty eight minute, It's only like eight minutes long. They just go through the the comic and you know, huh? And. Uh, John, and and Johnny and the Thing get into a fight, and but it's fucking Bill Murray. It's like a young what you know, issue of Fantastic Four was it? I don't know
3: <laughs> the one where when Johnny and the Thing gets into a yeah, fight. They argue. Yeah, yeah. The yeah.
0: one where Johnny looks like he might be voiced by a young Bill Murray.
3: Yeah. Also, my favorite band, Johnny and the Things. Johnny and the Things. Yeah, yeah. Or like a Garage block Band from from Arizona. Voiced
0: by Bill Murray. Yeah. You haven't been on the podcast for like a – when was the last
2: time you were on? Like a year, a year and a half ago? Yeah, pro- something like that. We were still touring on the record, so it had to be some, somewhere around there. You just disappear for large swaths of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, between that and, and the fact that we live up in the mountains, so even when I'm home, I'm, I'm kind of not really around. Is, are you okay? Are you guys okay being in the city today? Is it
0: okay being around all the traffic and the people and the buildings? Do you do you, do you feel the need to escape? We brought all
2: our guns. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell with these city folks. <laughs> you be too safe. You don't know what they're up to. No, no. Uh,
2: it is weird though. I mean, we lived in the city forever, and you know, I'm not going to say where we live, but we do live up in a canyon, up in some mountains. But not very, not far. It's not like we're out in Redlands. I mean, we, yeah, you know, we live 25 miles from here. But uh, it feels like you're 100 miles away where we live.
3: That's what I like about L.A., though, is that uh, it's quick to get out. Like, yeah. you, could, like, you, imme- you go up the 2, and you're immediately in just in the mountains. Right.
0: Yeah. You could. Yeah, actually, right now, we could probably drive out the 2, and in a half hour, be up
3: where there's snow. I did that last year, last winter, because uh, you know, I uh, you know, live in Natwater. We were coming over from Silver Lake, and I was like, snow in the mountains. And then, like, let's, let's just drive there. Fifty minutes from, like you know, the LA right. River to
2: Snow. Jonah has no problem telling people where he lives. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what, what are they gonna do? <laughs> what's the? What's the yeah, I already mentioned
2: have? all the guns, so I might as well give people my address. <laughs> <laughs> and then dare them. Yeah. I dare you. I dare you to come
0: over?
1: Our house. I
2: fucking dare you. I am the old man out on the porch in the rocking chair with a shotgun, <laughs> yelling at the kids in the neighborhood. Don't come here. You don't want to go over that mountain there. Old man
0: Ian's out <laughs> in the front of his <laughs> porch again.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever up. you do, don't go over that pet cemetery <laughs> over there. You want to stay away from that pet cemetery.
2: Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> uh, my, my friend, uh, actually, you probably know him, uh, my director on Blood and Guts, Jack Bennett. Yes, of course. Uh, he came up to do something with me the other day, and we stopped in one of the little what we uh, Pearl and I call the little dusty stores up where we live. And you know, just I had to buy some milk and eggs, and we walk out, and he goes, Do you realize that is the store that's in every horror movie that they stop in (laughs) on the way to the cabin?
1: (laughs) And you live in the cabin.
2: I'm like, I never really thought of that. It totally is the store. So yeah. what's going like to happen? Cautionary
3: tale.
0: One time uh, Pearl's going to come home and look at your notebook and it's going to say all work and no play and make Scott a dull boy <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then she's going to have to hit you with a bat. Yeah. yeah.
3: It's just going to be a bunch of tabs.
0: Yeah. Just Tableture.
1: Again?
0: <laughs> 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 just through a bunch of tablatures. Oh, God.
1: But- Do you
0: like the riff? Blood and Guts, by the way, I loved that show. Thank you so much for doing it for Nerdist. It was you guys did such a fantastic
2: job with it. I love doing it. It's you know, uh, the the idea of just a either getting to get violently, brutally murdered once a week, or you know, or just be a part of some really cool effect. Yeah. One way or the other, it always works out good.
0: I mean, just the the the, the note is that for people who haven't seen it. Basically, Scott will go and talk to some of the best effects guys uh, in film. And then – so it's sort of like it – it always starts out as just kind of like a field piece, a field package. You're just talking. Everything's fine. Right. And then something really awful happens in the middle. Like you. all of a sudden a knife hits you in the face. <laughs> yeah. And then the last third of the episode is showing how the stunt was rigged and how they did it and how it was set up. And and so it really so is – Yeah. I mean it's like the, it's the best way to interact
2: with those guys is talking to them and then seeing how they do what they do. It's so much fun. Yeah. uh and then like Joel Harlow, who did the uh, he did the Fishman episode, and he made me up into that you know Lovecraftian shadow over Innsmouth Fishman. Uh, he's up for an Oscar for Lone Ranger, and uh, and the guys at Alturian who I uh, did the Chucky episode with, they're up for an Oscar. So um, you know it's pretty highbrow shit we're doing here. Did you make, did you make a lot of new friends? <laughs> I have made it, especially like Joel Harlow. He's coming with me um, next week. I'm going up to San Francisco. Kirk Hammett from Metallica is throwing his first ever horror convention called Fest Evil. No and, uh, way. When, where, up what? In, up in San Francisco next week, February 6 seven we're going to be there? there? <laughs> really? <laughs> Holy shit, oh, shit. Yeah, next week. And he's, I mean, Nicotero, he's got lots of heavy hitters coming up. All kinds of bands are playing. It's at the Regency Ballroom uh, on Van Ness. And uh, um, and they asked me to be a part of it. So I'm getting a live makeup done. I mean, Joel Harlow's coming up. And doing a live makeup on me, and I'm, I think I'm moderating a panel too of all like the rock dudes that are going to be there the next day or something. That's We're awesome.
0: doing a podcast February 7th at night at the Marine's Memorial um, Theater. And then we're doing, it's SF Sketchfest.
2: So we're doing yeah. a bunch of, we're doing a bunch of, oh, you'll have like, to yeah. come by. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'll be at uh, sure. I'm shit. sure I could, uh, uh, I'll get you on the list. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's we, just,
0: we just had Kirk was on the podcast. Yeah. We had him out last, last summer. Ago.
2: Nicotero's making up Kirk as well. He's going to do a makeup on Kirk. Oh, oh great. That's awesome. That Kirk, yeah. gentle soul. Yeah, Kirk. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's one of my true. I know a lot of guys in bands, you know, from doing this for so long. And, you know, I'm friendly with tons of dudes in bands, but he's an actual friend outside of just, hey, what's up? You know, yeah, what have yeah. you guys been up to? Like, we hang out. We oh, stay yeah. in touch. And-
3: yeah, we, uh, we got along because, uh, you know, he, uh, his wife is from Hawaii. I was born and raised in Hawaii. So it's like he, and he lived in Waimanala, which is like right. the town right next to my town. Sure. and And like, like, just talking to him, cause, you know, I've been listening to him since I was a child. And like just talking to him, just as a guy talking about Hawaii and food
2: in Hawaii. Like I was like,
3: you're like one of the raddest dudes.
2: Yeah, great. Was like, we've yeah. like vacationed on Hawaii and hung out with them, you know, the whole time. Oh, nice, nice. Partied at the Waimanala House, which sadly they don't have anymore. But yeah, he said they got rid of. they moving back. No, they have a, another house, but I won't oh. say where. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, same also, island. Yeah, but the, the funny thing about Hawaii is, uh,
3: like, people in Hawaii they don't they don't seem to care about celebrities at all. Like the people from everyone knew where the people from Lost lived, right. And no one, no one bothered them. It's just something about Hawaii where it's just it's
2: so mellow. We did. The... <laughs> we were there. We were there a few years back because we we go pretty often. in a few years when they were still shooting. Uh, um, a friend of Kirk's was working on the show shooting like behind the scenes stuff for DVD releases yeah. and uh, so he was able to get us on set and this was when they were actually shooting because you know they're way ahead of what you're seeing on TV and they were actually shooting the scene when Ben Linus was visiting John Locke in the hospital Oh after yeah. his the back his back was broken or yeah. something and like you know did it hurt that whole scene and we're like sitting there watching the scene going how the fuck wait what huh mm-hmm. how are they talk? they how are yeah. you know cause you're so oh, at far, that point you, yeah. know yeah, you don't the, know how do you like, get there from here yeah, or, and you <laughs> know and they made a sign like an NDA just saying you can't talk about anything and you can't you know and like we, of course we wouldn't spoil it but we hung out for the whole day and you know took pictures with Michael Emerson and and, <laughs> and those people and like you can't post these pictures anywhere and I'm like, I won't. And then, like, months later, I got an email saying, if you want to post that picture, you know, on social media with, with Michael Emerson, it's cool now. And he's, like, in pajamas. And, you know, they, they just said, you can't post this because he's in pajamas and people are going to wonder, you know, <laughs> and, you know. And I'm Jeez. like, no one's even going to understand thing, like <laughs> yeah, anything, yeah, let yeah. why he's in pajamas. But, yeah, we went and bothered him.
3: <laughs> oh, well, okay. All right. Yeah. But you're but not a local. You're not a local no, Hawaiian. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. That, that's we, be,
2: we became friends with uh, with Jorge, though, after that, too. Yeah, oh, he's so a great sweet. guy. The yeah. nicest dude ever. Love that guy. Yeah, it's so funny because, uh, like, he's such a Hawaii dude. Uh-huh. Like, he's, it seems like he
3: was born and raised there, which I guess, you know, Southern California. Oh,
2: he's so but. nice. He still lives there. He, yeah, didn't, yes. he decided he wasn't going to, like, move back to L.A. and he yeah. kept his house there.
3: Well, like, yeah, because uh, I think he has a place in my town.
2: Uh, which I won't say. But um, uh,
3: it's, it's funny. There's another guy that did that. Do you remember the movie North Shore? Uh-huh. Um, the guy who played Turtle in that was like an actor right here, got the part, went to Hawaii early to learn how to surf and then now splits his time like giving surf lessons in Hawaii half the year and then just comes out for pilot season or whenever he gets a gig. Just still as an actor sending in tapes for auditions but right. like
2: still lives in Hawaii. It happens to a lot of people where they just kind of get the bug. More importantly though, Pearl and I also went and bothered we'll try to bother dog the bounty hunter <laughs> <laughs> because we we bumped in his wife at lunch Somewhere. must be kind of easy yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> no her tits really are like it's kind of i mean it's kind of insane when you yeah. like, see them live and in person i mean they're, they're, it, literally her shirt is like out to here yeah and uh and well we're on a podcast so i'm holding her my hand way out it's a different of kind of yeah <laughs> but yes yeah, she invited us to come down to the the office the bell buns oh wow place she gave us the address so like a day or two later we actually cruised by there and we met all the dudes except for Dog. Like, wasn't he – he was, like, on the phone or something. He had to be in Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. But he's got so Bluetooth. He could be on the phone anywhere. He, you know, he he's like, not
0: just a celebrity, guys. He actually does yeah. have a job every day. Yeah, right.
2: and he was, like, the only one that didn't come say hi. We were like, what a dick. That's <laughs> weird. It seems like
1: he would be way into,
2: know, like, right? meeting you know you you know a hyperman. You
0: know how you have to meet him. You have to commit a crime. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, uh, to deal ice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Batu, and then, yeah. And then just wait, you know. And <laughs> then,
3: yeah. then he hunts you down. You're like, yeah. hey, I just wanted to say hi. I'm then stuck. you got to hear about God for, on the ride over. Brother, got to repent. Brother, got to get into Jesus' King. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched an episode of Dog the Bounty Hunter. The first episode I ever saw. I, kept, you know, everyone was telling me it's like, oh, you're from Hawaii? Do you watch Dog the Bounty Hunter? That was like the first question. And I finally tuned into an episode, and the guy they were going for, of course, he was a. Uh, he was. Uh, he was. Uh, they had a word out for drugs and battery, which is like every episode. Right. And his name was. Uh, his name was Jonah Ramos. But. Uh, but like the way he said it, he's like, "We're looking for Jonah Ramos." And I was like, "Oh, Jonah Ramos. This is like my show."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then, as you're watching, you hear a knock on the door, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're outside. Bear, nice in my, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> it's a, it does show Hawaii pretty spot on, though. Like it's like the opening scene of The Descendants, where it's just like it's like, yeah, it's, it's Hawaii. Most of Hawaii is kind of dirty and kind of low key. Not where we stay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, where I had to, where I I could
2: afford. You're fraternizing. (laughs) Where I
3: could afford rent when I was out of my.
0: Jonah's a commoner. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, what have you been doing the last year and a half besides blood and guts and touring?
2: Um, I've actually been off since we finished touring the record back in August. Um, We did 207 shows on the back of Worship Music, and I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot of touring. It was the most we had done probably since, like, Among the Living in 87, 88. So, wow. Um, which, you know, it was a lot of work, but I'm certainly not going to complain at, at, you know, this far on in our career to be able to be afforded that opportunity to to work so much. It was all based on just people all around the planet really connected with the record. So, you know, it was, it was a great, great run. And then we took a really short break, like maybe September, a little bit in October, and we just jumped right into writing because we're just – Everything's kind of rolling so well right now. Um, and, you know, the ideas are flowing. So we figured there's no reason to, like, take six months off and, you know, and then reconvene. We just jump right into writing. And I think just all the the positive energy of co- coming off such a great run is just showing in the music because we've already gotten 12 things written and we're still going. And, uh, and for us, it's moving really fast. And I never say that. So, oh, wow. That's right. Um, so, yeah, material-wise, it's – although now – We've got 12 songs musically, I've got three songs written, lyrics are done for, and I've got like nine more that I'm trying to finish by the end of February, which is being extremely optimistic. So I'm feeling a little bit of pressure now because, you know, the lyrics are all on me. But um, there's there's enough shit to think about and write about. I just, you know, I just need to kind of make some space for myself to start really digging in. But yeah, just, we've been writing, 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 writing. Do you know what
0: I say? Yes, you can, Thrax. <laughs> um, if you want to use that for the album title, you can. Well, I will. Yes, I we it. can. Thrax. Yeah, you're totally able. To, you can totally use that. You don't have to pay me. A well, you heard it here. Finder's the, fee uh, for the title, uh, which uh, will be a big title. I think yeah. people our 11th really studio album. You yeah. yeah, yeah. heard
2: it here. Worst
3: sales for <laughs> any album. Yeah.
2: No, you, you can't, Thrax.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you, you know it is kind of funny <laughs> that whenever you name some, yeah,
0: whenever you name something, like, do you do the thing where you go, well, here's here's how the negative. Of course, yeah, always, yeah.
3: It's always shit sandwich. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unkillable, killable. Like there's yeah, nothing you yeah. can say that they're not going to make into some type of a. Uh, you know, yeah. try to say a step ahead of the, a step yeah. step ahead of the. The white album,
3: or like the Y album, the Y.
0: Yeah, maybe someone did that. I don't Probably, know. Maybe someone some did shithead. that. Do you notice any sort of difference now in in the stuff that you're writing versus? You know, like, do you see, do you feel a growth every time? I mean, with 11 albums in that long, do you, every time do you feel like, oh, yeah, this is,
2: we're more kind of about this now? Or what are you seeing that's different? I like to think we get better as, as riff writers and songwriters and, and being able to arrange things uh, musically. Um, I think, I like to think we get better at that. When, when Charlie and Frankie and I are in the room together working on music, um, it feels like we're better at it. Like, just. The vibe, certainly, in the last few months of writing it is, is the best I can remember in a long time. Like, we're really enjoying it. And uh, um, and a lot of it just has to do with the fact that we just came off such a good run. And it, it's the first time going in a new rec- into a new record in a long time where we've come off a real positive. Like, you know, there was... We had some dark times, Chris. And, uh, what? And uh, so, yeah, it's just been super positive going into this. and But, yeah, I, I think you know i think as songwriters we've certainly gotten better i think we're able to get to the we we know what we want like when we start working on a song let's say charlie throws out a riff you know and and we'll start jamming on that and um it's i think we just know how to get to the end of it quicker like we're able to we all just are on the same page i think a lot more these days than we used to be and uh um, just being able to hear where a song is supposed to go, you know, you, it's just like it's, it's, it's not a tangible thing, songwriting. I mean, you know, it's not like something really that's like we don't have a formula. There's no structure. There's no handbook, certainly, for what we do. So it's all just feeling and kind of emotion. And I just like to think that we're able to get to it quicker these days than we certainly were, you know, let's say back in the 80s where there's just a lot of just – just We just didn't really know what the fuck we were doing. And ergo, you write eight-minute songs because, <laughs> you know, whereas these days it's it's kind of like you just – it's easier for us to, to edit ourselves and, and I think really get to the core of, of what we want to hear out of a song. Well, when you're 25, you have all the energy in the world. But when
0: you start to get older, you're like, well, I only have so much energy. So that should just be focused on this. Let's just get to this I quickly know. and, and also, just not yeah. deal with any stupid shit. Yeah,
2: and also like – the idea of, you know, you have these really long songs with all these parts, and it's like, God, we could have had three songs out of one song. We'd, be, we'd be a third done with the album. It's totally yeah. true. I mean, you know, generally the best songs are the simplest ones. I mean, I know it's so cliche, but it's true. Like, it, mm-hmm. the ones that just – they happen the fastest and some of the simplest riffs and, yep. you know – and. uh and that's you – know, there's no way to just channel that and say, let's just come up with 10 simple ideas and we've got a record. I mean obviously it doesn't work that way. But um, we just really try to not overthink things anymore. If we get stuck on something, we just move on. We just – whereas we used to, we would just beat it to death well, know, that's, trying to I, finish something. Yeah. That, I want to talk about that idea for a second because that's, that, that's interesting
0: to me because I, I see that happen. I mean that happens in any sort of art form. Right. But um, where your brain kind of goes, oh, well – If I put more work into it it more and it's more complex, then that must equal that it's a that it's better in some way. Like that's the you know, more work equals better in some way as opposed to, you know, like I I think it's good to work hard, but I also think it's better to work efficiently (laughs) and economically. Like that's working smarter than just putting a lot of you know, it's basically the you know like the the car that homer designs for his brother yeah. is like oh it's got all this yeah. you're know, like yeah but then it's yeah. sort of a mishmash yeah. of too many things well it's, it's
3: best to let the ideas lead you as opposed to the other way around you know because then you could just kind of you, you just force it too much the other
2: that's way that's kind of how it is for us it's it, certainly for me with lyrics the the music tells me it literally i I'll come up with ideas all the time and I'll write things down and and uh, and have lots of ideas of things I think I want to write about but I actually really can't start writing lyrics until we have music arranged. Mm-hmm. And then the, I'll just start hearing words. I, I start hearing words out of the music that I'm listening to. It. I'll literally just start – words will start popping in my head because it sounds like those words are the words that are supposed to be over that riff and, and then that's where the then I'll be like okay this, yeah, no, this no, is no, this is what the is about it's in there somewhere yeah, yeah exactly but yeah
3: I know what you mean because like you know even when you listen to like bands that you know, have uh, like instrumental songs you still like are, you're, you're like it still evokes emotions and mm-hmm. thoughts and ideas so it, yeah like that process is probably the best way to do it yeah I always let
2: the idea push me always yeah. I, I really never try and enforce yeah. it yeah like this one's gonna be about the Bush administration I'm gonna make it so you're yeah. just gonna kind of push it forward
0: yeah, you can't really, because well, once once you put something out, the people are going to tell you what it's about, whether or not you agree. Of with course, that. so <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really. It sort of matters what you think, especially but, in yeah. Germany. But in the <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that's, in the end,
0: in the end, it's still you know, like if you try to control that experience too much, it's just, it's you're going to be disappointed.
2: Yeah, I mean, they never they only just tell you what you did. He was like, so do you think writing this song about this was a good idea? Maybe for you it was a good idea for me, not so much <laughs> <laughs> don't hold back <laughs> or they'll tell you, you know, so this song is about this no actually it's not well, I think this is what this song is about
0: well, and you know okay. and there you know there is a certain i, I you know there's a certain um, comfort in in knowing that I think the, fir- the, the first German guy I ever spent any length of time with was when my, my ex-girlfriend was doing The Real World London, and one of the other guys on the show was a German guy named Lars. Mm-hmm. And Lars, just you know very weird, he was talking about Singled Out, and he goes, uh, Yes, I've watched your show Singled Out. I mean, you know you know, it's a cheesy show, right? Like it, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, yes? But my, yeah, my yes was... And so's yours, like yeah, we're yeah, on the same yeah. boat. But he, Lars and I have the same point. I don't. I don't know if he had the same point of view about his own show. But but it, is, it was kind of refreshing to talk to someone who's like, because there, there's no guesswork. Like I knew exactly how he felt about it, and I don't. I was. I don't care that he thought it was. I, I thought the show was cheesy too. But it was just there was something sort of refreshing about the that sort of like <laughs> that Vulcan efficiency of oh, honesty. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Sherman's sure. or Vulcans is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're they're aliens. Um, they're not like us you cannot we can't I mean we can sort of interbreed with them yeah. um, but you know then it's sort of like if a German breeds with a human then you sort of get this hybrid species then what happens then well half of him is always going to be tugged towards his emotions aka his friendship with James T. Kirk and mm-hmm. then the other side loves is his, sausage yeah he loves sausage and then and <laughs> Oktoberfest but then his allegiance to you know uh, just cold hard uh, logic yes. at the same time so either sausage or James T. Kirk it's either sausage or Kirk but yeah. Kirk is a of sausage. That's true. Which uh, he puts in a lot of people, but then, but still, it's like, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the sausage line?
2: Um, Iron, you know, Iron the, I did. A, I did one of my talking shows in Germany last summer on on this giant heavy metal festival, Wacken, which is this you know three four day massive metal festival. There's like a hundred thousand people there and all kinds of bands. And uh, um, they had asked me, do I want to you know in the afternoon of the you know Anthrax is playing at like seven or eight o'clock at night, and they said, do you want to? You know do a, a your speaking show in a tent from two to three you know we had Henry Rollins do it last year, and it was a, you know it was a really big success and uh, would you be into that and uh I, you know I said to my agent I was like well i, I uh, sure it sounds like a good idea, but is anyone going to understand the fucking thing I'm saying because <laughs> it's not even just germans there it's a, it's, it's like this international festival, and ninety percent of the people there are not English as a first language you know humans so um Although most metal fans understand English because they've been listening to the words their whole lives. <laughs> um, but uh, so I said, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. I don't care. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, just standing with a bunch of people staring at me for an hour. Or, um, but it ended up going great. You know, I, I, I did an hour set in front of these people, and everyone was laughing in all the right places. And, and, uh, and you know, uh, uh, so even the language barrier really it didn't affect it. And then it actually made me think afterwards I was like, maybe Germans actually do have a sense of humor. <laughs> They've just been hiding <laughs> it for some reason. Ha
3: ha 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 yeah.
2: ha! Metal is the way in. That's the yeah. way into their, yeah, their humor. Yeah. Their humor was uh, was the
3: tent um, like were there bands going on while you were doing? I it? I was
2: sand well on other stages, yeah. But yeah. I, in the in the tent, um, no, there was nothing else going on. But I was like sandwiched between like two you know brutal black metal bands, you yeah, yeah. on <laughs> before me and after me. So that there, there were there was definitely a segment of the crowd in there that was you know there to see the leftovers from the previous band and people coming to get a good spot for the next yeah. band and just staring at Yeah, me that's like, like
3: yeah, doing stand up at you know, uh, not caring. in any festivals the same way where it's just like like I remember FYF a few years ago it's like you know the right when the comedy started uh, Dillendrick's skate plan started to play at the stage that was facing towards the tent. Oh, great. And it yeah. was just like, well, this is pointless. Yeah. This is real pointless. There's a was, music like, bed for the jokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just as you hear just screaming and people. But I feel them. like
0: at least, you know, you have the position of sort of being in a legendary metal band. So it's like, If they're at a metal festival, they probably know who you are and they're probably interested to hear what you have to say as opposed to, I'm just a guy. It's a comic that you don't know. Yeah, exactly.
2: And here's why you should care what I have to say. Yeah, I didn't take it personally from the black metal kids. I mean, I know they don't laugh at anything. They're all all very serious. So (laughs) I I didn't think they were going to care about, you know, me getting drunk with Lemmy in 1985 and pooping my pants. That's not... What I happened? Th- I thought I saw one kid maybe laugh a little bit, but he stopped right away. Yeah, what, yeah. You, what, you, you, did you tell the story before? You, you <laughs> pooped your pants in 1985? Um, it's, uh, I won't go into the whole thing because it's, it's a long story. Um, but uh, my first time I ever met Lemmy in 85 was my second time in London. And uh, after doing promo all day for the record... Uh, <laughs> We went out to a bar with me and some of the writers, and Lemmy's in the bar, like just hanging out. And I had never done anything in my life really up to that point. And I'm walk, I walk in a bar, and you know, one of my heroes, like seriously, Motorhead and Iron Maiden were my two favorite. That's it. It's all I cared about. And and Lemmy is standing there, so I'm like, I'm wearing a Motorhead sweatshirt. (laughs) I'm like losing my mind, and and some of the writers from Kerrang were like, just go. He's super nice. He's super nice. We've like we've all interviewed him a ton of times, and super nice just go say hi and I'm thinking they're setting me up you know it's fucking like going to punch me in the face and breathe fire and, and, uh, <laughs> and I finally got enough balls to talk to him and cut to that turning into you know him buying me a drink I didn't drink back then at all and he or I didn't know what to have so he's he's, he's like, what are you having and I'm like well, I'll have what you're having and you know, he orders two jack and cokes and I'd never had a whiskey I didn't drink you know and uh I'm like, fuck it, I can't not drink, you drink with Lemmy. Yeah, yeah, I like with I lemmy. can't be a puss and I've got like uh, Arlie Ermy in my head <laughs> screaming at me. <laughs> going, you little pussy! You gonna drink that drink like a man. You're Fucking drink that drink like Clint fucking Eastwood motherfucker, you know, just like screaming at me because I was super nervous about spitting it back up or anything. I'm yeah. standing in front of Lemmy like I was shaking. So I do the, I drink with him and I, you know, I kind of, you know, I got it down and he wasn't paying attention, you know, it was all <laughs> in my brain and, uh, cut to me waking up the next morning on uh, my manager shaking me in bed because we got to get on a flight to Munich to continue this promo tour. And I'm just in my same clothes, covered in puke Ugh. and not knowing what happened, you know, to me. And, uh, and then somehow, you know, we made it. He carried me through Heathrow. I was throwing up over his back. Oh, jeez. Carried me through security. I mean, in 1985, you could still get on a plane like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time we got to Munich, like, I had full-on alcohol poisoning and with, like, a flu on top of it. And they had to call this doctor and literally fucking Zell from Marathon Man walks in. <laughs> and I'm just this Jewish kid from Queens, like, with 104 fever and, and all this. And... Laying in this bed, shaking, you first time in Germany. Motorhead. Like yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and this weird old man German doctor standing there, and he just pulls a needle out of his bag, like without even ten like, feet <laughs> away from me. The dude hasn't even examined me, right? and he's just like you need this I'm like what the fuck I need this and you don't even know what's right he's like you need this please pull down your trousers you know <laughs> and I'm just wearing like sweatpants and I'm disgusting and that, And I pull down my trousers and uh, there's like a silence in the room <laughs> And that's and when the I, Germans started jerking yeah. off. <laughs> and I just hear the doctor say, "Ah," oh, because I kind of rolled over on my side. And I just hear him go, "Ah, oh, disgusting!" Oh no! And I'm like, "What?" I mean, I, you know, he doesn't want to look at my ass, but it's not what? like... And then I realized that I had a pants full of poo. How did you?
0: How did that escape your body without I was your knowledge? So
2: I, I had a full-on blackout. Like when they, they said at some point. Uh, I stopped talking to Lemmy and ran out of the bar just full speed out the front door, and my manager thought I was just running out to be sick or something, so he followed me out in the street to see if I was okay, and he said I was running like zigzag, like someone was shooting at me, (laughs) up and down Water Street in London. Uh, and diving into piles of garbage like <laughs> and that's why like i was just broken i mean when i woke up the next morning i couldn't figure out why i was in so much pain and just <laughs> diving on concrete Jesus. and uh in the midst of all that i had shit myself and not even known it. So you traveled so all, the Germany all, Germany all the
3: way to Germany with All the way to Germany. You must have been the worst person yeah, to be sitting and, next to. Yeah, and Johnny,
2: my manager never said a word because I was the sc- I was throwing up on the plane. I mean, I, I was just... No one I noticed a, was a, a pi- bizarre odor? I, I was a pile. I literally was a pile of shit. So I was, I guess, expected that <laughs> I should smell like that. And, uh, and that's when I realized, but instead of being mortified and embarrassed, as most people would be, even as much pain and as miserable as I was in the moment, I the, the little fucking weird dude inside me starts cracking up because now like this half Nazi prick doctor has to deal with this, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, it's my own personal Holocaust revenge moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, and I told that story in Germany. Oh shit! And 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 my friend Christoph actually said. Because I had a friend of mine on stage where we did a bit. He, a German friend of mine, where I would have him translate some things, but we just fucked around with the translations. And but uh, he had said to me when I, I he I told him about the story. He goes, "Maybe you want to just kind of lose the Nazi references or the you know the reference to Zell or Mengele or this or that, or you know maybe not say Nazi so many times or Holocaust." And you know what? I, I, I said, "Yeah, you know maybe you're right, you know." And, and uh maybe it's too sensitive here. And then once I started to talk, I was like, fuck this. And I was like, oh, the fuck? <laughs> they they killed all the Jews. Yes. I'm not the one who's in the fucking wrong. Hey, like, be
3: sensitive to that guy. Yeah, he punches people. Yeah.
2: So I, I went hardcore about it and they loved it. They couldn't wow. get enough. They couldn't get enough Nazi jokes. <laughs> yes, we are a whole people, yes. Always yes. follow your heart. Always follow your heart.
0: It does make me feel like that there's something to we should talk to Funnier Die and see if they'll do drunk rock history and oh, just like yeah, so yeah. someone like you would would have this actual yeah. story and then you narrate
2: it and then just reenact it. Yeah, and that I mean and that's you know that's basically it's sh- shit no pun intended like that that I you know when I d- go out and do these talking tours it's stories like that that keep the people Did you still back. get the shot? Did you end up getting the shot? I did get the shot and uh and within 5 minutes I, 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 I I was out. I was like done. Like whatever, you know, Auschwitz tested. Yeah. <laughs> See?
1: <laughs>
2: oh, Nazis.
0: Great about it uh. No one saw that coming.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was out and I slept like 15 hours and woke up the next day and um ready to go, like ready to do, you know, a day of promotion for the record. And I'm like, you didn't cancel, right? Like we're all good. And he, and my manager's like, no, no, everything's good. You know, the record company's stoked. You're feeling better and all that. And I'm like, all right, well, let's go start. He goes, well, I literally still hadn't showered. Oh, oh God. God. So he's like, are you going to shower? Like, I was like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> so I
1: finally
3: went and got cleaned up. You got used to your filth. Yeah.
0: And was that. And did you not drink anymore after that? Or did you figure it uh, out? No, how to do? I
2: really. I didn't really drink. Hard. I mean, that was a. It was definitely a. Uh, uh, an anomaly at that point in my life, and then about six months later, we uh, Anthrax was doing our first ever show in London, and uh, it was like sold out. It's a big deal for us, and we're in the dressing room, and there's a knock on the dressing room door, and Lemmy walks into <laughs> in the dressing room. He was coming to our show, you know, and and uh, he's like meets everybody, and he's shaking everyone's hands, and he looks at me, he's like, "How you feeling?" <laughs> I was like, "Wow, you remember?" You know, he goes, "Yeah, how do you?" think i know i like you told me all about your band and i heard you guys were playing tonight and I, I knew a lot of people who were coming to the gig and so i figured i'd swing by and, and uh hey that german guy give you a shot yeah. after you <laughs> shit your pants Yeah, no he didn't know, know anything there, about there. that so i told him the whole rest of the story he i was like what happened like, like like what happened and he said we were having a bunch you know we were hanging out you were telling me all about your band and what a big motorhead fan you were and blah 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 and and you know we were drinking, and next thing I knew, you ran out of the bar, and I never saw you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he said, he said I could tell you were getting pretty drunk. Like you kind of stopped speaking English at some point. Like you were just muttering and babbling, and and uh, and I said, yeah, man. Uh, I don't drink. He's like I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a
0: great first drinking story! Yeah. Though. Yeah. That's
2: that's epic, guy. It was, it was p- worth the pan. Yeah. It was pretty. I mean, you know, we became friends. We, we've been friends ever since. So Shit.
0: that's got to be pretty mind melty though when Lemmy comes to your show. Oh, yeah.
2: we were, we were, it was nuts! It was yeah, crazy. Was, the fact that, the that he really like the show was amazing. It was the start of our love affair with England. Yeah, it was great. Um, and. Uh, uh, um Let me just, it was amazing, you know, like the fact that he would walk into our dressing room and like say hi because we were all just crazy Motorhead fans. And we were all kids, we were 22 years old, you know, it's like it's just an insane moment. And that he remembered me, like, really? You know, well, you did leave an impression. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, But, but,
2: crazy guy who started muttering at me and then
0: ran away. (laughs) Um, So, are you, have you guys, when you decided to move out to the mountains? Was there any part of you that said we probably won't see a lot of our friends very often? Or were you ever worried about being isolated from people, or um, did you just sort of feel like,
2: ah, fuck no, it? We hate everybody anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I guess maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I will say this. W- you know, when we're up on, when we're up on the hill, it's. Yeah, it's not the easiest thing to just go out. Although if we didn't have a son, I'm sure we would go out a lot more than we go out now. Yeah. I don't think it's so much where we live that it is that we have a child now. So it's, you know, that's really, and mostly all of our friends have children too. So it's uh, it's kind of the same, you know, thing for everybody. I mean, you know, most of our friends too, and like everybody's got kids. And, and uh, so it's kind of like that kind of puts the damper on it at this point in time more than, you know, the fact that, oh, you know, it's 15 more minutes of driving to get home, you know? Right. It's like, and now, but now with Uber though, there's really, you know, there's no excuse. You could just Uber and even where we live, we can get an Uber car in like nine minutes. Wow.
0: That's really funny. Yeah, it? I've even, <laughs> I
2: remember, when I when I was looking about at moving, there were
0: just parts of Central Los Angeles that I'm like, God, if I move to Burbank, I'm not going to see anyone ever, right. you know, just because like
1: and that's, that's just yeah. like over the
0: hill, right. you know. So the idea of uh, I even fit in the in the house that I that I have now, which I haven't moved into yet, I almost even feel a little isolated up there because it's not like, um, you know, it's 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 not neighborhoody in the sense people of, walking around, yeah, right. just not walking around because yeah. it's up it's up in the yeah. it's up in the hills. Yeah, you can't so walk to a coffee shop. I, I almost. I almost kind of feel like I, I might feel a little isolated even just being up there. So the idea of going, you know, outside of town, away from where a lot of people are. Because if you're going to hang out with someone regularly, it it, it kind of needs to be easy, you know. Otherwise, right. you just don't see your, your friends yeah. very often. The
2: thing is, too, though, you know, you make new friends uh, where you live, which, you know, we have. We've, we've got a bunch of friends up in the canyon now, too. So that, you know, that makes a difference as well. You know, you make new but. We go, you know, we make plans. We see people like we, we still love, obviously, going out to eat and meeting friends, and so we. I mean, we still do that, but it's more so just from having having a son, that I think, than it is where we live the geographically. I don't think it would have made that much of a, of a difference. Yeah, have you? Uh, I would have like nine DUIs right now <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we didn't have a son. <laughs> so he has saved me from that that fate. Have you been following any? Uh, have you been following any comedy stuff lately? Um, Pearl threw me a birthday party. Well, she threw me four birthday parties because I turned 50 in December. And, uh, what? Yeah. Are you that, serious? December wow. 31st. Holy shit. You're holding up, friend. Yeah. That makes I'll, me feel I better. Didn't even, I didn't even shave, too. And I'm, you know. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Um, and uh, so there's four parties, one of which being she threw a party at Largo For me, because she knows, like that's one of my favorite times of my life and favorite things to do is see comedy. That's when I met you guys. Yeah, the the Largo it was over on Fairfax. Uh huh. And um, she threw a party at Largo and invited, you know, like you know, friends, but it was also still tickets available to the public for the night. But basically, Brian Posehn put together a show, and Pearl and Brian put together this thing, and it was it was Brian and Sarah Silverman and Patton and Brendan Small and then this guy Ron Funches of course Ron's a good friend of us and when you say about following because I had never seen or heard of Ron until that night and I I I was pissing my pants you fall in love with him immediately who wants Skittles he destroyed me like I was crying he was so good. So, yeah, I was very excited that, you know, as part of my birthday present, I found that an awesome new comic. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if he's new, but to me, he was new. He fairly new. He, he, he was, uh, up until about
3: a year and a half ago, he was still in Portland. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A real murderer's row.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I, as I remember when I met you and Pearl had this giant curly hair. That when you could just see it from the stage. It was so awesome. <laughs> uh, and then your, between that and your beard, it right. was like, it was like you guys would have made a really cool minimalist painting of just like <laughs> curly hair and then a long chin yeah. beard. Yeah.
3: Uh, like the uh, Yoko John. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. It was really cool. I always loved seeing you guys at shows because I didn't, you know, that's when you, that, that's when I first started discovering that, you know, um, uh kind of like with like with Rob Zombie too of like learning that oh people's public persona is maybe you might they might be perceived differently than how right. they actually are which are just very regular normal fun loving yeah. sweet people. Yeah,
2: exactly. No, I'm not that, but yeah. Rob, <laughs> Rob is fun loving and sweet. Yes. <laughs> Someone just asked me that I was doing an interview uh, the other day and they they kind of asked me about that. They said, you know, uh, Uh, talking to you or just even the guy was like I don't know you at all but it just seems like you know you're just kind of a regular guy and you know who else he said who else you know do you know like dudes in heavy metal bands and you know and I said most of the guys I know in every heavy metal band that you know they're really not what people think they are, you know. And, I of course, I don't want to blow anyone's cover, you know, because <laughs> they've, they've worked their whole career, you know, to create an image. And, and then there's, there's Scott doing an image going, oh, Carrie from Slayer, what a pussycat. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not, that's not my job, you know, to, to blow people out of the water like that. But, yeah. it, I mean, it is true. I mean, I mentioned Rob Zombie actually as one of the people I said – you know, Rob is just – he's like the nicest guy you'd ever meet. But if you're just a, a person going to see him in concert, you'd be like, oh, God, he must be fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, if think- you imagine that guy at home the shit that – you know, it's like – yeah, yeah he, he sits at home and, like, does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he's, well, the, uh, he's boring. Yeah.
0: The metal guys are basically yeah. like dark elf nerds. Like, they basically yeah. – you know, like, they're the – I don't know. I just – I feel I, – yeah. I, it really feels like, you know – just these kind of like nerdy dudes. Like oh, I really like this. They kind of have this sort of uh, like Poseidon. You know, Yeah. they have this really sort of dark thing that they like in their entertainment. But at the core, they're just kind of like sweet nerdy nerdy dudes.
2: Totally. It's a, a, exactly Mo, most most of us anyway. There are some out there that really kind of are what they are or are what they talk about in their lyrics. Or, but it's kind of in my circles of bands anyway. The people that that I know. Um, I don't really know anyone that that's, that's really crazy. It'd be know? really hard to maintain that all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's what I, I've told people too is you know you can't be like some lunatic idiot really uh, anymore and have a career in this business. You just can't. I mean, and, and in a way that's sad because all the biggest rock stars were generally lunatics in some way, shape, or form. I mean, when you think about the biggest rock stars of the last 40, 50 years, I mean, most of them were you know they're horrible. They've yeah horrible, horrible humans, yeah. lunatics. You know madmen, assholes. Yeah, you know um, that's what make you have to be like that. I think to be that kind of megalomaniacal. Yeah. you know a, a thing. You can't just be a dude that wants to sit home and hang out with his yeah. son and, and build the dark tower out of Duplo. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I, <laughs> which I did yesterday and nice. posted a picture on Twitter with, yeah. with one of his little Woody toy story figures in front of it as Roland.
3: Uh, nice. Have you ever encountered any of those kind of black metal Scandinavian dudes though? Or the death metal guy? I or? have, I have. And, and they, uh, some of them are up?
2: very serious and some of them are not. Yeah. It's kind of like it's all or nothing with those like with those guys kind of. I've met some dudes that are really, really intense and they're not kidding. Yeah. Like some of the some of the black metal dudes from, from up there. But then there's other guys that are just they're like the second they're not in their corpse paint on stage, <laughs> you know, singing about witches, they're they're having a beer and watching The Simpsons. And yeah. Yeah. Impulse. I kinda I
0: kinda wonder though if the if that sort of insane rock star thing, that sort of that that character that Joe Walsh sings about, you know, like that guy, yeah. that there's not as much of a system in place to support that for a lot of people anymore, which I, which I sort of feel like was, you know, they were a part of this, you know, this label hit making system right. that basically did everything for them. And allowed them, enabled them, them. And yeah. ab- totally oh, yeah. enabled them. Like the yeah. I think, I feel like the enabling infrastructure doesn't exist as much anymore. Where it's like, oh well, no, yeah, just yeah. as long as they're in the studio, everything else they do is fine because they're like, making us a lot of Jimi
3: money. The Jimi Hendrix stories were the worst, or just, they just like, kind of kept them stoned and high the whole time. Just well, just like, like it was horrible
2: what yeah. they did to him, but but it's all corporate now. As soon as the accountants started to take over in the in the, the mid nineties. Uh, and, it, you know, and the whole record business became Sony and BMG, you know, the yeah. three companies now basically own everything. And um, it all changed, you know, it, it all changed and all that enabling kind of went away. I mean, for, for better or worse, I mean, you know, uh, Kanye West, who I'm, I personally don't listen uh, to the music, but he said not that long ago, I saw a quote from him saying, like, you know, we I am the new rock star. It's me. And, you know. There's some truth to that. I mean, yeah. the biggest, like a guy like him or a guy like Jay Z. I mean, those are, those are the new rock stars. Those, Kanye West is a dude that's doing lots of crazy shit, and he's, you know, he is. But he and, also,
0: he also just said that he felt that Kim should have been on the cover of Vogue instead of Lena Dunham because, in his mind that they're at least equally as talented or if Kim's maybe more talented. Yeah. Well, no well, one
2: like, said yeah. he was smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean...
3: He has all these crazy ideas of like... Um, he's like, everyone's got an old idea of what celebrity and talent is. It's like, if you are a person that becomes known, that means you have a talent for becoming known. Right. So he's, he's yeah.
0: either he's either not very... Uh, he's either not very in tune with what's going on or he's the so far ahead two. of the game that he's way smarter than all of us. Well, yeah. and
2: I have to... You know, I have to lean that way because the dude is... Selling tons of records and yeah. he sells out arenas, and I can't listen to it for two seconds. So he's doing something yeah. right. You know, I, I know what's yeah. really
0: interesting? For some reason, I I went down a rabbit hole of just. Oh, I know what it was. Um, I was listening to all these uh, bluegrass covers of songs last night. I just like bluegrass uh-huh. a Did lot. Did you just
3: see Inside Lou and Davis? Or? I haven't yeah, seen it yet,
0: yeah. but I. Uh, but I've always loved. I've always yeah, loved yeah, bluegrass, yeah, yeah. and so I have. Um, I just I stumbled on iTunes on this old album of uh, called Saturday Night Hay Fever, which is basically just you know it was the soundtrack of Saturday Night Fever but Uh bluegrass style. And Chloe was digging it, so I started showing her some other stuff. And you know I have all these '80s songs, you know that are bluegrassy and Haysie Dixie, Haysie Dixie, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, or pick the pickin' on series Uh where they say like pickin' on the '80s or pickin' on Led Zeppelin. And so um, and so uh, uh, I was telling I was talking to her about Saturday Night Fever, and I said yeah, you know, like albums like that are just not ever, we're, there's not going to be that big anymore. Like right. with the Just because the the system doesn't exist anymore for that many albums to be sold. So I was like, I wonder what the 10 highest selling albums of all time were. And the, it's, uh,
2: Eagle's Greatest Hits. It yeah. was like number four or five. I thought it was mm. number one. No, it's Thriller's number one. Thriller's yeah. number one. Thriller's anywhere.
0: number one by a lot. Well, since like, he died, probably more people You know, like, you know, Dark Side of the Moon. It's, right. But, Um, But basically uh, 40 million was the low end And the last time someone sold 40 million albums Was in 1999 And it was the Backstreet Boys And before the Backstreet Boys It was like 70s, 80s You know Pink Floyd I think um, Bad Outta Hell Bad Outta Hell was like number four Bad Outta Hell was number four Mm -hmm. Um, The uh, Saturday Night Fever was like six or seven And then uh, And then so number two was like forty nine million albums, and then Thriller hundred and ten million albums. Wow! Jeez. So it, like that will never be touched no, no. again yeah. in the history. Like the system just doesn't exist anymore. If you sell a million albums now, it's, it's a like, big deal. It's a big like, deal. Yeah. that's well, it.
3: You know, we were talking about that recently. I can't remember when, but like the fact that like a year or two ago, when Melvin's put out a record, it got on the Billboard charts. Right. Like
2: that would have never happened. No, I know. Like,
3: but because there's so much room on the charts now, like oh, they, our
2: our last record entered at like number eleven, and we sold like thirty two thousand first week <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah whereas exactly. in in let's say 1988 first week we would have been dropped from our record label yeah you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah exactly so, and now it was considered a huge success so it's, it's <laughs> when crazy. I, when I was at uh, uh,
3: the sub pop offices they, they said like they they started like coming up with the idea of like uh, like indie platinum like a low-end platinum right. and they called they called them Woody's and so they started making their own, <laughs> ah, that's like, they would so frame things where they would just be a record, but it would be made out of wood with right. grooves in it. And, like, uh, like they were just like, yeah, this is, like, you, you, we had to kind of set up a different precedent for, like, what sells now. Yeah. And so we kind of just started giving ourselves awards.
2: From for, for what it's worth to Lady Gaga, at least it seemed like for a little bit there, she was, like, kind of ready to take that mantle as the next uh, Axl Rose or the next Madonna or the next Marilyn Manson. She kind of had, like, all this all of that stuff kind of going on but now it seems to kind of petered out a little bit
3: yeah well that uh, the last record like no one dug it uh-huh. it was just uh, it was it was kind of too in the from what I've like I, I listened to it just because you know I want to hear it and just be aware of it you don't but, have to justify yeah, I see no. that tattoo yeah 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 exactly <laughs> she's an artist um, <laughs> but it was it was you know it was too far of a jump for everybody right. and it just like she, it was like a misstep which is crazy that you know, before you can put out a record and I was like, ah, but you can still be a person that everyone goes to see. But she made a misstep and everyone's like,
2: ah, eh, forget it. Yeah, I know. She's done this like – Which is unfair for next- her yeah, because yeah.
3: because for her as, a, as an artist and a performer, she's probably like, oh, well, I
0: need to – you know, she probably goes, well, I need to do the same thing. Maybe not in her mind, but look what Madonna did. She always changed yeah, and yeah. evolved. And so exactly. it's – it's it really – I guess you
2: just don't know if you're going to change and evolve in a way that people – you just don't know. You don't know. so. Yeah, I don't yeah. – th- it's hard to imagine that at some point, like the powers that be were thinking we're going to put an end to Lady Gaga. <laughs> and Miley Cyrus is going to take the mantle. Yeah. You know, yeah like, exactly. And that's what
3: happened. We need a new crazy white girl. Put yeah. it on the board.
0: <laughs> but then, you know, Miley, who I'm sort of just fascinated with her as an entity, just coming from where she came from and like making the transition from, you know, like a uh, Disney star to like real mainstream mainstream pop culture. Fi- fixture, yeah, and just sort of you know,
3: if all the choices have been her choices, they're fucking brilliant choice. I mean, like, right. I think they are. I think that's the issue. That's why she's got a lot of people saying she's crazy. It's because she's like, she's like, no, this is these are the things I want to do.
0: It's funny what we call crazy now, and just going back to like what seventies crazy was. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, like, yeah. Justin Bieber was found with marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> eggs at a house. What? Yeah. what? I mean, these are all the things that a 19-year-old would do except instead of, like, you know, when I was a kid, we would have had like a 1982 Honda Civic and, you know, like we were trying to fuck a girl who worked at a mall and but Justin Bieber like fucking supermodels and Lamborghinis and then get, you know, it's like, right. but he's still
3: egging houses. Still like, egging houses. Because that's, so, that's yeah. what
0: 19, he's doing what 19-year-olds do. Yeah. 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 Has anyone tried it? It's fucking funny. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> dude, I, 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 the fact that we're trying to deport a kid for his baby basically being 19, yeah. what we should do is limit the amount of money that teenagers have access to. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what we should be doing because that's that's where the... the if, if they don't have the right parent... To, but, you know, fuck it. If he, if there's nothing he's doing that's so crazy that any 19-year-old
3: wouldn't do. Do you remember being 16 and thinking, like, when you get your license, you're like, finally! It's like, Free. I've been old enough to be have, finally have my life. I've been an old enough and mature enough for a while. Then you think about now, have you met a 16-year-old kid? That fucker can drive. Yeah. That's fucking scary. Totally. If when I was 16, I shouldn't have been allowed to drive?
0: Well, I I remember <clears throat> my friend and I, and when because I, I, the last couple years of two of my years of high school were in Denver, and he had his driver's license first, and we went out egging cars and houses, which is a really terrible thing to do to people. Now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's a it horrible thing to do to people. Yeah. <clears throat> so we went not egging cars, and uh, we for some reason just. We're driving this neighborhood and pick this one car, and we're like, ha, <laughs> ha, By the way, if you see teenagers buying, um, like, ten rolls of toilet paper and three cartons of eggs and whipped cream, you should just call yeah, the cops. They're not baking. Shit's, are go- Shits yeah, going yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not going to bake and shit it out. So um, uh, <laughs> we basically <laughs> drove by this one car and egged it, and we're like, ha, <laughs> ha, let's take a second pass. So we circle the block, and then right as we circle the block, We realized that someone had been in the car, and so we see the lights go on of the car, the car lights go on, and then there's just a full on chase. Oh, Uh, shit. Where, like, and not in an exciting way, and I'm like, this is dumb, why did we do this? So we got away, and then that was the last time that I ever uh, decided to. That to me was like, you know, the thrill kill element of it
2: was not. I just was immediately yeah. like, shit. I'm going to be expelled. I don't know what I'm doing. Someone's going to beat the shit out of me. I yeah. can't defend myself. I'm, I'm weak. We were so bad when we were kids. I mean, I grew up in New York City. And, and like, especially on Halloween, that's, you know, when shit would really just hit the fan. I mean, we took it so far past eggs and, and shaving cream <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, we uh, we knew these kids who their dad was the superintendent of the buildings we lived in. So they would steal. They would, like, go into the room where they kept the fire extinguishers. They would empty the fire extinguishers and fill them with paint. Oh, no. And at night. Let's let's make that guy's shitty job worse. and And then at night, no, at night, we would take the fire extinguishers, go out into the. Parking lot of the shopping center across the street and paint cars with fire extinguishers. <laughs> <laughs> people would like wake up the next day and their cars would be like red, brown, <laughs> green shit, even on like, the windshield. Everywhere. And stuff? Just, oh god, we were that so bad. Sucks so bad. That and sucks. We, we got away with shit for years, and then finally, for me, my last straw was was when uh, uh, and I was only kind of like a I was only an accessory to this one, but uh, one specifically troubled, you know young teenager that i hung around with had found this took this giant piece of rebar from a construction site and for some reason decided to stick it through a manhole cover in the middle of a street oh. this was like late at night and then he saw it only went, it went down and it hit bottom and there was still about oh i don't know two and a half three feet of rebar sticking out and you know we're just all hanging around and then we're like it's late at night and we're, like everyone's going home and Someone said, well, you should take that rebar out of there. And he's like, no, no, let's leave it in and see what happens. And nobody thought to argue with him because you don't want to get your ass kicked by this dude. And, uh, and so then we kind of hid in the bushes for about an hour where we could see. And a car came down the street and this rebar tore through the front end of this car. Oh. Like, oh. like splitting it like you know, like Robert Patrick's head. <laughs> oh, yeah, he T2. Like just... <clears throat> And like, you know, we all same thing, we're all just (gasps) and then we all stayed hidden cuz the whoever was in the car couldn't see where we were and if we just yeah. all took off running then we would so we all had to kind of wait and then we everyone snuck away but then that was the end of, like i was like that's, that's it. crazy imagine yeah. if it was like a motorcyclist or something Forget or like, it. no that's what i realized I was like, yeah yeah, yeah. i was like that was i don't want to be a part of that kind of a thing anymore. yeah <laughs> yeah i uh
3: me and my friends used to knock over porta potties if we saw them we were just you know bored kids that didn't drink so just you go out looking to make trouble and then one time we, uh, like we were up so late that, uh, that like we saw that there was a delivery of newspapers uh, for this uh, supermarket. And so we just took them all and put them in the back of my truck, like took all the new stacks of newspapers uh, and you know drove in front of a guy's house that we didn't like and then just unloaded all the newspapers <laughs> on the street, covering the street in front right. of it. And then, like, later on, we went by, and there was a bunch of, like, city workers having to clean up. We just basically littered the fuck out of this neighborhood because right. they started blowing away, and it ruined the neighborhood. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking horrible.
1: I know. <laughs> it's not
3: a mean thing. I littered in my own town. Well, I don't the, – the,
0: the, the, the pranks that can turn de- – I mean, at least that feels like, oh, it's, it's an annoying, but it's not a deadly prank.
3: Yeah, well, until we found out, like, it's, like, one of our friends tipped over a porta potty and there was a guy in it. Oh. And like it was, it fell on the door, and the guy was stuck in, and the guy bolted, and we're just like our friend bolted, and we're just like <laughs> we're like, yeah, let's stop. Did you let him out? I wasn't there for that one.
2: Oh, that happened when I was. Yeah, at around. some point in your brain, I guess you you make that choice, you you know of. I'm going to now start becoming a responsible human being or you go to jail. Yeah. yeah, And then maybe that fixes you. Well, I think there's some, you know, like
0: hopefully at some point, like the the empathy uh, sensors kick on and then you're like, oh, that would really suck if someone did that to me. And then why would I want to make that guy's life worse? So maybe in the grand scheme of things – getting trolled online is not so bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> to someone like you I, suck uh, your yeah. album's terrible I like, know oh, that's yeah. not rebar on the street yeah. but I remember I got digitally egged
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I
0: remember when um, deport but I remember when uh, when I was uh, 16 uh, uh, this this guy my, my girlfriend at the time and her friend who I didn't really know very well and that girl's boyfriend we were just we were driving um, I lived in LA at the time and we were driving from uh, like sunset from PCH mm-hmm. you know and these other du- – these dudes in front of us who was just like a bunch of fucking worthless trust fund fuck-ups um, got ahead of us and had like a bag of kitty litter and they threw it in the street to like – you know. but we were going we – we could have died. Yeah. Yeah. And that just sort of felt – that sort of felt like what, – what's going through their minds that they think, oh, it would be really funny if, I, if we potentially kill these four people? Yeah. Um, And then it was a big to do because we we stopped alongside them, and fortunately the guy that we were with was kind of a tough guy. Oh yeah, and so like he exchanged words, and I was a huge pussy in school, and so it probably didn't do any favors for my relationship. I was like, just in the back and don't say anything, okay? Just in the back.
2: (laughs) So to end end this this segment on the fun part of vandalism, um, (laughs) back in '88 we were on tour in Europe. Uh, playing as Monsters of Rock shows with Iron Maiden and they were pretty much only on the weekend like playing in stadiums so we would have like five days off every week so instead of having a tour bus we had made the decision we would rent five cars for the band and the crew <laughs> so at least we'd be mobile and be able to just kind of tour travel around Europe and yeah. like do our own thing all week so we had these like five Mercedes sedans <laughs> for the band <laughs> and the crew and that quickly turned into on every drive every car being armed to the teeth with eggs
1: <laughs> bags of flour,
2: uh, whatever the biggest, hardest you know nuts you could find, <laughs> walnuts, whatever you could like anything like that. And I'm talking on the Autobahn, you know, 140 miles an hour, oh. hanging out a window, <laughs> Jesus whipping eggs at each other, like, just, I mean, just oh. insanity, and, and what you would do is, you would like, pelt the car with eggs, and then like, you know, our, our tour manager at the time, this guy, Rick Downey, was like, he was way into racing, doesn't mean he's a good driver, but he loved <laughs> racing, but huh? he would like... Pull some transporter shit, you know, like pull up and <laughs> get to hit the windshield with eggs. And then he'd like pull back around just at the right angle. So you'd launch the bag of flour and then it would hit the windshield and stick. So they oh, can't God. see. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the shit we were doing in, in 1988. And then and then, I mean, five like black Mercedes covered in crap and like. Then you'd pull into the next town, all of us in a line, and, like, go straight to a car wash. (laughs) What the hell? So you didn't turn the cars in covered in flowers? No, no. But, like, just, I mean, this was every, every time we had to go from city to city. I mean, and you'd try and sneak it, and you'd be all like... Well, Yeah, you know, we're not gonna you know we're not gonna have a war this time. We're just we're just gonna chill. We're stopping off here in our car on the way, and of course you just have there'd be like thirty dozen eggs in the back seat. Just so much fun! It
0: is it is amazing that you all didn't die or kill people. Exactly. In the
2: no, I'm I'm not. I'm dude. I was hanging out the window of a Mercedes at like 140 miles an hour, throwing eggs at another car, not thinking twice about it. Just like. I was such a I, oh, 24. I was so afraid of everything
0: back then. I never would have been. I never would have been cool with that. That's so funny that I just didn't. I did not have the I'm invincible gene at all. I I had the I am fragile. Yeah. Someone's going to get hurt. Right. I am going to get hurt. Like I never ever ever really
2: had that adventurous thing. I mean, we'd pull shit like we'd be like, um, yeah, we're not, we're not, you know, count us out because we're stopping at Dachau. So we're going to stop there, and then we'll meet you guys in Munich. And then we'd find a, another road around. Uh, we'd get in front of where they you were. We'd head them off at the we, pass. We, we, were, we were literally we, – we, one point, we pulled off. We had the car hidden on the side of the road, and we were, like, in this little ditch. And we sat there for 25 minutes, and finally here comes the other cars. And we all jump up on the and just stand there. The middle, helping them with eggs, they all pull over, like, just –
3: holy shit where was that to were duck.
2: yeah I know <laughs> yeah. right They're too bad like if you know when, if video cameras were this big back then oh, um, we'd now, have some awesome footage
0: and now now it's probably like do you guys want to get some tea
2: yeah, or, exactly yeah, yeah, no anyway. now now it's like text Mario Batali ask him where to go eat <laughs> and then you go to eat and Mario Batali's throwing
0: eggs at you yeah, like right yeah. when you're going <laughs> <laughs> That's shit That's fucking funny <laughs> So, was there anything specific you wanted to promote while you're here?
2: Um, yeah, my, my talking show is coming up. I'm going out and doing this. Uh, I did it uh, run in the UK. I did the the German show I talked about. It. I did a bunch of shows in Australia. And uh, so I've got these US uh, and Canada dates coming up starting February 20th in Chicago. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, if you enjoy the stories you hear me telling here, then you'll definitely enjoy it. Uh, you know the show because it's you know it's just me telling talking about a lot of crazy shit. You tell good stories. Like I, I
0: almost if if we hadn't gone into the vandalism stories, I was going to make you tell more like comedy stories from the because the last time you heard you told the story about meeting Kinnison, which was really which was really right. awesome. That's right. So uh, yeah, people should definitely go out and see. People. I mean, I think your fans understand. Like, they probably know now. They've been following you long enough. Like, Scott's a good talker. He knows how to. Like, he knows how to tell good yeah. stories. But people who maybe aren't as hardcore Anthrax fans may not know that. So they should yeah. definitely. Yeah, you come don't
2: out have to see. be a metal fan. So many of the shows I did uh, on the UK tour, I was playing like you know theaters and places like that where you know theaters that they do. You know, plays in and things, and so a lot. Of the people who worked there, they didn't know who I was or who my band was. And people would come up to me after the show and say, "I, I had no idea who you were coming in, but that was really entertaining." Yeah. Like, you know, and then I'm going to go check out your record and, and stuff like that. So. You don't, it doesn't matter if you know anything about my band. I think the stories are just inherently funny. And, uh. Lighthearted Rollins. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, I mean, dude, I when I first saw Rollins doing it back in the 90s, it was really funny. Like, yeah. it was, it's like straight up comedy, a lot of it. And, yeah, I uh, remember,
3: he had a special that yeah, was like mainly yeah. the, the
2: funniest stories, yeah. And it was since then is when I always thought, like, I want to do that someday. I don't know how or when or, like, I would ever get a chance to do it. But yeah. then two years ago, I started doing it in, in London and, uh. Because it kind of just fell into my lap, and I said yes without thinking about it. And uh,
3: oh, so but, you hadn't really like you no, were, that wasn't a thing you were doing. No, i like, never, Wait.
2: no, never, never. And then almost like two years ago, I got a call from my agent saying a, a promoter wants to bring you over for a solo show, and I was like, I, I don't do that. Like yeah. play guitar and sing. Like that's not what. I, and he goes, No, stupid. Like come tell stories. it's huh. This thing rock stars say the funniest things and it was like a series they wanted me they wanted Duff McKagan they wanted Chris Jericho not all together but just over a series of weeks and uh, and I had five months to prepare so I just said yes I was like oh yeah fuck yeah I can do that yeah. I'm wanting to do this I got lots of stories I could pull this shit off and, and I had this amazing like plan in my head because I know lots of comedy dudes and I see how serious they are about writing and and, you know, coming up with new, new material. And, and I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write my whole set. And I'm going to have a really professional set. And I'm going to invite, like, Patton Oswald over to my house and do the show for him and have him give me notes and, yeah. and all this. And five months went by, I didn't do a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's the night before the show. And Pearl and I are in the hotel room in London. And I'm so nervous about it that I, I'm literally going to call my agent and tell, say, I've got the flu. Cancel the show. Just, Who cares? It's it's two hundred people in some, you know, in some little room. No one's going to care. It's not yeah. like we're canceling a big rock show. And and uh, and Pearl like was just straight up like, "What are you so worried about? Like, you are these stories, you know? You know them. You're just going to be in a room with a bunch of people, just talk to them, you know? And, yeah. And that totally like kind of brought me back down to earth. And I was still nervous and shaking a little bit the first five minutes, but w- when I got my first laugh, when I where I was hoping I would. Um, then I just completely calmed down and, and got in a groove. And two hours later, I was asking my agent, like, how do I do more? And that's it's just all snowballed into wow, this Wow, that's course. awesome. So you, it, it's you, just so much fun. Are you going to try and
3: maybe lead up to records?
2: I mean, I'm, I'm doing a book. Well, I have a DVD. Oh, okay. uh, plug. I've got a DVD. Plug away. Yeah. Um, I shot the show in Glasgow. Um, so that DVD will be out. I don't have the exact release date, but it's realistic. it probably be, like, beginning of April. Um, cool. Uh, DVD of that, and uh, and I'm writing a book which will be out October seventh, I believe. So. Oh wow, awesome! Yeah, but uh, for now you could just go to scott-ian. dot com or is it as a hyphen the same as a dash? Is yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Scott-ian. Scott hyphen Ian. Scott dot com. Scott minus Ian. Scott minus. <laughs> Ian. That's a good one. It and also then, works I'm going to steal yeah. that. And then people uh, are going to go
0: S C O T T M I N.
2: and all the dates are up there. It's like. Fifteen shows in sixteen days, basically like Chicago, and then I head east and and uh am really LA? looking forward to it uh, later in the year around okay, the book cool. release. Yeah, my dream is to do Largo. That's like yeah, you, you can do You know, up Flanagan up. Would let you. Yeah, do no, that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he would. Uh, and and that's kind of like my dream, like to stand on that stage and granted, it's not the old Fairfax one, but um, still, like to, for me to be able to go on that stage and stand and still tell stories would be like as cool as the first time i played Hammers with Odie and like with anthrax and yeah. thinking about the bands that played there before so um that's that's my goal in the fall around the book release i want to do my book release party there actually so i'm hoping to work that's out great
0: out. That's you know great. what we're doing is um at meltdown i'm starting a show every couple it'll it'll be every two weeks and it's basically three comics just working out 20 minutes of new material and it'll be a free show so if you wanted to come work stuff out before cool. you go do the ticketed event sure like we could you know we could just not announce you so that it wouldn't right right you know right. and then you could just be a surprise guest and you could just try out 20 minutes of material in a super safe environment without cool. you know without if you wanted to practice you could certainly use meltdown as a right. as a oh, practice that, space that would be awesome just cool. for, just for fun cuz now it is it you know knowing what a comedy fan you are it's kind of cool to see that your sort of your brain is is gravitating toward that just like trying to trying to reexpress the stuff you've been taking in for the last, you know, 30 years of watching comedy.
2: Yeah, and, it, you know, I, I'm not writing jokes. It's, you know, it's so not like that. But at the same time, from where I started, you know, especially that first show that I did, you know, where I you know I got on stage and and I told stories. But then once I, I did the tour and you're doing it night after night and, I you know, you could tell me if I'm wrong or not. But really the only way to learn how to do that is by doing it in front of an yep. audience. Yeah, that's and, the only way. And you learn how to, you learn the timing and, and you learn... How to work an audience, and you learn how to tell a story, yeah. and really, and you know, and really work every last ounce out of yeah. every word in your story, and and you know, or by seven, eight shows in, I was like, God, this is so much better than it was a week ago already. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm hoping to get to do it more and more over the years. Whenever I could find a window, you know, like it's it's something I really love doing. I'm not looking for ways to leave home. I all I want to do <laughs> is be home with my wife and my son. So I still have to find a way to pay bills, so that means I have to go on tour with my band. And of course, I still love doing that too. So I, I'm lucky; I I get to do stuff I really want to do. But um, no sound check. Yeah, <laughs> just go on uh, stage with a mic. But yeah, and but doing this talking thing, I, I I found something else that really is just it's so much fun, and it's it's just it's a, I, I get a lot of fulfillment out of it, and and I still really enjoy it. I'm certainly not bored by it. So um, it's it's enough of a. a a kick in my ass to to get me to you know fly east and and run around in a car for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Throw awesome. eggs at people. Uh, actually, yeah. <laughs> if if we had more than one car, we would probably do that. <laughs> we can only afford one car. <laughs> Think of all the things you'll be able to teach
0: your son when he start when he get becomes a teenager. Oh,
2: forget that's the thing. It's like he's not gonna be able to get away with anything because between Pearl and I, we've done everything. So it's. He's, he's kind of shit. He's going to have to invent some really crazy shit to get past <laughs> us.
3: Space eggs. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. It's going to be the
0: future. Quantum eggs. It's going to be the future. Where you're getting egged, but you don't know if you're getting egged at the
2: same time. <laughs> um, well, it's good to see you, Scott. And, and your Twitter is your Scott underscore Ian? Scott underscore. I've got lots of things between my names. Mm-hmm. Scott underscore Ian at Twitter. Okay, excellent. Cool. Good to see you, man. Good to see and you. And it's nice
0: to see you, too, Pearl. You, to too, I'm so glad you got to come hang out. Um, well, enjoy your burrito, everyone. And, um, uh, if you get egged, just look for a chin beard in the car that's escaping. Because it's probably, <laughs> probably Scotty
2: Cool. Awesome.
1: Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this. Perfectly popped,